0: One of Drew this amazing picture of Elizabeth Bennett going through the emotional roller coaster of reading Mr. Darcy's letter. Should I should I ask if everybody's read Pride and Prejudice or at least have seen the movie? Yes. Yeah. Even if you haven't, you can you can pick it up. So I'd like to talk today on how reading and writing letters helps with character growth. And I'll say that um, this, this this came about as part of my dissertation at Catholic University. So what I decided to do is, because I love Jane Austen, I think her writing is beautiful and she makes goodness attractive, and I find that really refreshing in literature. I was noticing that in Pride and Prejudice, there's over 50 letters mentioned in the book and we see a ton of them, and a the lot are from minor characters. And the letter of the book is from Mr. Darcy. And interestingly, it comes in the middle of the novel. So literally, the middle of the book is this pivotal point that completely changes her whole view of him, of her family, of Mr. Wickham, and of herself. And she says, after reading the letter, till this moment, I never knew myself. So then I was intrigued. Like, What is it about a letter? That allows you to have this just intense introspection and reflection of yourself and your character. So that was the spur, and then I expanded that and I looked at other um, 19th century British novels and looking at the role that letters played in the novels. And it also just stemmed from my personal like of writing letters and what I, I just love that it's tangible. You can hold it in your hands, I mean, you can smell it, you can. I probably wouldn't taste it, but I don't know. Sometimes they have those markers that you can, you can taste those markers. But in any case, there was something that was very human about letter writing because it was just this tangible aspect. And then I also loved that it was such a direct communication of, I teach this to, to the, um, my students, the rhetorical triangle. So I say every act of communication, anything. Whether you are writing, whether you're speaking, whether you're painting, drawing, designing, music, any act of communication has a relationship of you as the author speaking to an audience for a particular purpose. And so you have a triangle, author, audience, purpose. And you hope that your audience can see that purpose. And a letter is so clearly this rhetorical triangle, it's this relationship of between you, the reader, and then your purpose, what you want to achieve. And so I was just struck by the fact that those letters, they're not only just bodily, so they're you know, they're they're tangible, you can hold on to it, so it's very human, but it's also spiritual in the sense that you're communicating also your soul, but in this bodily way. So you have this element of relationships. So we're seeing ourselves as relational when we're writing a letter. And one of the things I tell the students, too, is you never want to write in a vacuum. You always want to have an audience in mind. You want to think about the meaning of your words. You want to think about the purpose of why you're writing. And it helps them to think about that, oh, yes, as I'm writing this, and you have to slow down and reflect, how are my words going to be received? What words am I going to choose? And so anyways, all sort of like my personal like for writing letters and then my love for Jane Austen spiraled into a dissertation. And um, so I'm just gonna begin talking about my first chapter of the dissertation and then how that ties into my kind of mission as a teacher and just what we're trying to do here at Oak in growing not only intellectually, but as characters. So this scene when Elizabeth reads the letter and it's on your handout. It's one of the most important scenes in the book, and it's what changes, turns Elizabeth from somebody who's quick to judge, quick to respond to her emotions, now to somebody who has to slow down and think about the life of the person who's writing the letter. So Elizabeth herself tells, she, she's, she's praised for being quick-witted, She's very, Lizzie has a quickness to her. Um, But the letter is this one time where she's forced to reassess herself. And so what is it about that? Setting the stage, Mr. Darcy has proposed. Does it go well? (laughs) No, (laughs) it does not go well. His proposal is proud, he's proud in the proposal, he's condescending, he insults her, he insults her family. It doesn't go well, she refuses. So the chapter begins, you, you can have that you have that there, um, where she's just she can't do anything because her mind is too full of the thought of what had happened the previous day that she goes out and walks into the woods. But she's avoiding the walk where she thinks she might see Mr. Darcy. He though is there, gives her the letter, he says, "Please read it, and then he leaves. So you have to think about what's the nature of a letter? Well, interestingly, um, it implies that the people in communication are separate, but there's also this, there's this space in which you have contraries occurring, so you are both in the absence of the person, but because you're thinking of them, you're in their presence in the in this space of when you're reading or writing a letter. Um, you're separate by distance from the person, but again, because the letter is going to travel that distance, you're also connected, so you're, you're brought together Also, when you're writing a letter or reading, you're stopping other activity. So you're stopping your work, but you're also in a moment of activity because you're writing and thinking. So it's this very unique kind of space that allows these contraries of absence and presence, um, inactivity and activity, distance, being separated and yet being brought together, all happening at the same time. So you have to kind of imagine what would happen if Mr. Darcy had just stood there and asked for a conversation to explain his actions. You know How might Elizabeth have responded in the state that she was in? She probably would have, again, rejected him or possibly just walked away. But the fact that you now have been given a tangible piece of that person's mind, then you can now have the space to think about that person without the sort of emotional, impact that their pres- physical presence causes. So That's really important about letter writing of it actually, by its nature, encourages you to take time apart from the busyness of the everyday life. Um, also, I find this interesting that Darcy, at one point, has said he's not comfortable with speaking to strangers, and then, but he writes uncommonly well. And Elizabeth is praised for being a great reader. So it's sort of that this letter is actually a perfect place for them to interact because he writes well and she reads well. And then we'll see how well she does read. Um, Okay, so talking about the relational aspect of letter writing, there's both, you need to have understanding and imagination. And I think that's really important to think about in terms of also how we're teaching, of we want them to understand, but we also want them to use their imaginations. So Darcy's whole point of writing is to explain his actions. He wants to be understood. He wasn't understood. He desperately wants to have that. He says he demands it of her justice, that he be listened to and understood of why he acted the way he did. And the way in which he's writing it, which is very lawyerly, and there's a lot of objective words and just terminology, it's, it's very much like this logical defense. Like it's very point by point by point. But again, he's showing, you know what, all of my actions stem from love and care for my friend and family. And I think that's what we don't see a whole lot of, of Darcy's inner life. Uh, We just sort of see that proud exterior and the way he snubs Elizabeth and the way he comments about her family. But we don't actually, you know what, what are his motivations? And he he really does care for his friend. And that's why he wanted to separate him because he didn't think this was good for his friend. And he cares for his sister, and that's why he kept a secret that involved his sister. So Elizabeth is is seeing Darcy's attempt to be understood, but she's also seeing he cares he cares deeply, and he has loyalty. Um, so he so the next thing that so you have this desire to be understood when you're writing a letter and reading it, but then also you have to activate your imagination, and it's brilliant. He actually writes. After explaining how his sister Georgiana was pretty much seduced by Mr. Wickham and was about to run away with him, he writes, you may imagine what I felt and how I acted. And some people are like, well, why didn't he just explain what he felt? But I think it's, it's important for him to actually say, no, you have to imagine it, because it's too deep of an emotion of here my most beloved sister is, is being taken away by this despicable man. So, the importance of the imagination in letter writing is something that I, I think we have to hold value to. Um, Elizabeth is going through this crazy emotional roller coaster. And Honorita's painting, which on your handout, it's on the, the second page, I just love it because you can see. Elizabeth, there's, there's definite words. She's astonished. She's horrified. She's perturbed. She's mortified. So you have all these very strong and conflicting emotions happening, and that's clouding her judgment. So because her emotions are changing, it's really important for her to take time and have the space to reflect. And so what's interesting is that she, being outside, she walks for two hours thinking about and rereading the letter. And Austen writes that she read the letter three times in a row, then got too caught up in her emotions, stopped, tried to walk, couldn't, couldn't, so she had to unfold the letter again, read it again, read it again. And all the time that she's rereading it, you hear words of she's reflecting, she's recollecting. She's remembering. And so it wouldn't have happened. I don't think that that type of reflection would have happened if she were inside the house, but just having that space apart. And it wouldn't have happened if he was physically in front of her or if she was with her family. So it's important to think that um, apart from the physical presence and yet you still have the presence of the person with the letter, that's where you can kind of sift through your emotions and then start to think objectively. So in learning to read, she's complimented compliment as a great leader, but in learning to read well, um, it gives her this time for reflection. So she, uh, let's see, there's this wonderful quote. So she wanders around the park for two hours, giving way to every variety of thought, reconsidering events, determining probabilities, and reconciling herself as well as she could to a change so sudden and so important. And the more she reads the letter, she pretty much soon has it learned by heart. So what it is is it's showing that Elizabeth is recognizing all of her emotions are clouding her judgment. And so these terms of um, giving way to the variety of thought, reconsidering, and determining, she's now learning how to use her judgment in and among her emotions, and that's really difficult to do. And but I think that's what's essential about kind of our relation, how we interact with others, of learning how to name those emotions. There's this line that says um, she had so many emotions going on, she couldn't even name them. But having the time and that space to just assess, okay, what am I feeling? And then think, okay now that i know what i'm feeling how should i think about this event or this person in an objective way so you have to use your understanding you're trying to understand what the person writing is conveying to you you have to use your imagination because again you're it's a person you know it's not just this is a person with life and a feeling of their own and then you have to have that courage i would suggest it's courage to be able to self-reflect and think about, are my judgments being clouded by my emotions? Um, So there's all sorts of these. The the head and the heart are coming together. um, But she's recognizing that in order to be objective and actually figure out what's true, she also has to be sensitive. And I think that's a lovely combination of valuing our sensitivity to others but also trying to figure out, you know what, what is true about this situation. So a lot going on, a lot going on. Um, tying now sort of my, my, my thoughts in, about Pride and Prejudice and the importance of letters to Oakcrest and teaching, it's difficult <laughs> to grow in character and it's difficult to grow in judgment. And where do we find the time and where do we find the space? And where do we find solitude? And how do we weed through all of the intensity of emotions, especially teenage girls, all the emotions that are so uppermost and, and seem to be just right at the surface? Um, so what, what can we do when it seems that we don't actually have this time or space for recollection and reflection? And how do we even come to the point of self-knowledge to know what emotions am I feeling, and how do I respond to them? Um, I, well, that's why we're here. <laughs> it's um, how do you deal with that? Well, you, you educate yourself or you, you seek for ways to figure out how can I determine what's true amidst um, all of these contradictory actions. So one of the things is that it does not happen quickly. So Elizabeth's growth, it's not like as soon as she read the letter, then she fell in love with Darcy. In fact, it's the opposite. There is a line, I think it's on the the back side of the the handout. It's um, the last line. Basically, it's after she's reassessed and she's recognized till this moment I never knew myself, she's reflecting still again. Well, would I have accepted his proposal had I known all this? And she says no. I still wouldn't have accepted him. So sometimes I think, and especially with the movie versions of Pride and Prejudice, we think, okay, the letter—that means you know now she falls in love with him. But that's not the case. What actually just happens is she's able to see him, to see him clearly. So gratitude is awakened in her, which is a step towards towards her eventual love for him. Um, but it doesn't—but it doesn't happen right away. So I think being aware that this process that occurs in us when we're sitting down, taking the time to write a letter, it's a reflective process because, I mean, physically, you're, you're slowing down your thoughts. You're thinking about the effect of your words, both for yourself and for the others. You're evaluating, are these the right words to use? You're evaluating their response to them. So it's, it's more of a process that it's going to just It's going to need time, it's going to need a lot of time. Um, So then I also want to point out that you have this relational growth that comes with being more aware of yourself and being more aware of others as you're reading and writing letters. But also there's the spiritual nourishment. Because when you are in a situation, um, when you're by yourself and you're walking, you're pausing, you're rereading, you're learning more about yourself. And my friend, my friend Thomas, he has this beautiful line when I was explaining to him all about how I'm fascinated by letters. And he said, you know what? You know what's really cool is Mary. And I'm like, yeah, she's great. Mary's great. And he's like, no, 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 no. If you think about it, Christ is God's letter to the world. Mary, she, she is the letter. She contained the word. And I'm like, whoa. All these things, like incarnate word, letter, but but I was like, that's really beautiful to think of. We call it like logos, the word, and so sort of understanding too. When you take time to reread and reflect, and you're growing more in knowledge of yourself, then that's also making you more aware of well, what's what's our purpose, and then taking it to well, who made us and for what, and so it allows you sort of this spiritual nourishment. Um, it can be it can be very like I mean saint paul where would we be without saint paul's letters (laughs) um and so that's it's sort of remarkable too of just that mode of communication allows for growth in your relationships with people but also can allow growth in your relationship with god so i think that's really cool um one more thing that i want to say and then i'll wrap up and i have a couple things to read is that when she's alone in solitude, again, thinking about you know the, the girls here and just the busyness of life where it's hard to just find time. And maybe there could be a fear of being alone. So you're constantly connected, social media. You constantly have friends, email. You can, I'm not sure if there's ever a time really where you, you can fully be alone. And it seems maybe that some of the girls might not want to be alone. And loneliness is something to be scared of. But what it is, I, and I got this from a, a, a priest friend of mine, where he says you shouldn't actually ever fear loneliness because that tug on your heart, that desire to be in relation with someone, he said all that is is just your heart telling you you're meant to be with Christ and you're meant to be with God. And so you shouldn't ever fear being alone or having that tug, that desire, because it's just telling us, you know, we're not actually meant for this. For this world, we're meant for another, and so I, I think that's also something that we can um, encourage in our own lives, but also the lives of others. That you know, taking the time for solitude, for reflection, for writing, leading that to a greater understanding of again, like who we are in relation to others and to God. So um, I have this—I have this thing that I wrote in 2012 when I was first thinking about ideas to write a dissertation on. And I'll read that, and then I'll conclude. And then I wanted to read you the poem that I included on your handout, because I find it beautiful. But I asked myself, because I'm like, OK, why do I want to write about this topic? And I, and I asked myself, why do I like letters? And I wrote, it's because I'm Catholic, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The words written down on paper become flesh, in a way, living and dwelling among us. These, this incorporeal soul of the person becomes corporeal through the means of transmitting the physical sign of their inner thoughts, ideas, feelings, and words. Every sacrament has a physical sign of what's going on sacramentally, spiritually, internally. We have the sign of the cross, we have water, we have oil. And words are, meant, are means to communicate and hopefully, understand another soul. A word spoken lives in the mind of the one listening, but that fades away. Like when we receive the Eucharist, we are wholly united to the divine body and blood of Christ, but that intimate union fades away since we are corporeal, we're bodily. So we must keep renew- renewing that union with daily mass, etc. We are body and soul, we're mind and heart. We have tangible and intangible elements of our life. And the letter seems to be a meeting of the two. A written word lasts longer. And it doesn't always have the same effect upon rereading, which is a good thing, because. but at least this physical sign that words have been communicated remain. A letter is an attempt at a union. There may be false unions, there may be unwanted ones or unaware ones, but they're also good unions. Thus, letters are a self sustaining presence of a person, a word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. So that's what I wrote way back in 2012. <laughs> and I said, um, and thinking again, my friend Thomas saying, Christ is God's letter to the world. The more we read him and reread him, and write to him and respond to him, to continue that metaphor, the more we'll unite ourselves in these fruitful relations with him and those around us. So that's pretty, that's that's it, thank you. <laughs> there's a poem that I'd love to read to you. Um, can I actually have someone's, thank you, Mrs. Payne. So the, the, just to explain the handout, there's the chapter of where Elizabeth, reads the letter and then responds to the letter. And what I underlined are all the differences in her emotions. So it's kind of interesting to reflect, again, on her understanding that it's important to assess the emotions before she becomes objective about how to think about Darcy. And then you have the hand-drawn version of her later artwork. So this is the poem by, from Dana Joya from his book, Pity the Beautiful, and it's called Finding a Box of Family Letters. The dead say little in their letters, they haven't said before. We find no secrets, and yet how different every sentence sounds heard across the years. My father breaks my heart simply by being so young and handsome He's half my age, with jet black hair. Look at him in his Navy uniform, grinning beside his dive bomber. Come back, Dad, I want to shout. He says he misses all of us, though I haven't yet been born. He writes from places I never knew he saw. And everyone he mentions now is dead. There is a large, long photograph, curled like a diploma, a banquet Sixty years ago, my parents sit uncomfortably among tables of dark-suited strangers. The mildewed paper reeks of regret. I wonder what song the band was playing, just out of frame as the photographer arranged your smiles. A waltz, a foxtrot. Get out there on the floor and dance. You don't have forever. What does it cost to send a postcard to the underworld? I'll buy a penny stamp from World War II and mail it downtown at the old post office just as the courthouse clock strikes 12. Surely the ghost of some postal worker still makes his nightly rounds, his routine too tedious for him to notice when it ended. He works so slowly, he moves back in time, carrying our dead letters to their lost addresses. It's silly to get sentimental. The dead have moved on. So should we. But isn't it equally simple-minded to miss the special expertise of the departed in clarifying our long-term plans? They never let us forget that the line between them and us is only temporary. Get out there and dance, the letters shout, adding, love always can't wait to get home and soon we will be see you there thank you <laughs> get your daughter stationery for christmas <laughs> anyways thank you so much yes That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yes.